Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And the better quarterback. So, I right, absolutely. See, I don't see why, and that's not. I don't believe that's necessarily being biased as a, as a fan. I just, you know, Russell Wilson did so well early on in his career because he had Marshawn Lynch, he had the Legion of Boom, and he had that defense that would create turnovers that would get him to where he only needed to score something like twenty points a game to win. Right. Um, and so it's one of those things where you look at it and say, what, what did he do? Like, he didn't do anything um, back then uh, to win, win the championship. And yet, of course, it's probably going to be what everybody talks about is, oh, well, we Russell Wilson's got more rings than, than Andrew Luck. And it's like, okay, that's great. But, you know, would you say, like, Trent Dilfer's a better quarterback than Dan Marino? Like, because he's got more rings? That's uh, a, yes, duh. No, well, um, um, and so I look at that and I say, why would why would the Colts even, you know, Andrew Luck's a better quarterback um, right. in almost every every category, in my opinion. Right. I mean, and then the the bigger, in my opinion, the bigger indicator of long term success in the NFL is size, right? So the number one reason that I if I look at their college careers, the reason I take Andrew Luck every single time is. Because he's 6'4", 230 pounds, as opposed to 5'10", 200 pounds. And I'm investing a first-round draft pick, first overall draft pick, in the future of my franchise at the quarterback position. I would prefer if that person wasn't one hit away from a wheelchair, right? Now, I get Mm -hmm. it. Andrew Luck missed an entire season with a shoulder injury. um, But Russell Wilson's been banged up his entire career. He averages getting sacked 42 times a year. Now, that certainly says nothing about their offensive line. And their success, despite him getting sacked so frequently, kind of signifies he's actually a really good quarterback. But I did a little research. So I'm one of those people, if I'm going to have an opinion, it's going to be rooted in fact, because otherwise your opinion is worthless. Um, So, yeah, apparently we have to defend Andrew Luck's honor uh, because we know, you know, every – NFL fan, you meet five of them. One of them's a Seattle fan, and they're going to talk shit about Andrew Luck, right? So here I looked. While Russell Wilson is better statistically in many categories, there are a couple things that kind of struck me. Uh, In Russell Wilson's first four seasons as an NFL quarterback, the defense for the Seattle Seahawks was ranked number one in the NFL. That's pretty good. Now, Now, I get it. Defensive play does not dictate quarterback play. I... But hear me out, kids. If you're winning, there's less of an onus on you to score and score quickly uh, to come back, right? And with that in mind, I did a little further research. In 112 games started, Russell Wilson has 17 comebacks and 23 game-winning drives. 
having missed a full season in the same time period, Andrew Luck has 16 comebacks, so one less comeback win, and 20 game-winning drives and 86 starts. That's like 25%. Yeah, so so I actually – there's not really a term for this, and I I expect maybe at some point there will be, but basically I looked at 40, which is 17 and 23 for Russell Wilson in 112 games as basically like 35% of the games that he plays in, he has relied on to win that game personally, right? Like the offensive success hinges on whether or not they lose. That's a – game-winning driver, or comeback victory, right? Andrew Luck's 36 of whatever we want to call that metric in 86 starts is about 41%. So that's higher. What? Yeah. So whatever metric you want to call that, which I would call like um, it, like games games where your quarterback directly affected the outcome. I don't – if it weren't for your quarterback to lose. Pro football um, has caused that clutch. Yeah, so I would say Andrew Luck is a more clutch quarterback statistically with a with less games played but the same amount of time has passed. So I understand, again, from a building a franchise perspective that, well, the Seattle Seahawks got really lucky and they drafted a, a bunch of defensive players that should have gone in the first round in, in the second, third, and fourth round. They did it for a couple of years, few years, and that helped build their young team just much like the Colts are trying to do now. But here's another piece of information that I discovered today. 2018, so this past year, is the first year in which an Indianapolis Colts defense was better statistically than a Seattle Seahawks defense. Andrew Luck threw for 1,100 more yards and five more touchdowns. So, again, I'd say defense dictates what your quarterback's going to be able to do over the course of a football game, and that is very easy to explain. If your defense is horrible and they can't get off the field – then your quarterback has to go out and score quickly, and that causes mistakes to happen. So, yeah, Andrew Luck also has more interceptions. But if you look at trend, Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, and his play is trending upward. That's true. But he's been hit a lot, sacked a lot, and eventually he's going to get banged up, whereas if you look at the Colts, they have decided to protect Andrew Luck at all costs. And it yielded 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, but only 18 sacks. Russell Wilson got sacked 42 times last year. So who do I want now? Andrew Luck. It's not even close. Who did I want the last couple years? Maybe Russell because Andrew Luck wasn't even here, right? But then look at the beginning of their careers. They had the same trajectory early, right? Both teams were very competitive 2012, 2013, 2014, their first three years. Colts made the playoffs three years in a row, so did Seattle. And then, of course, Seattle didn't run there on the goal line and lost the Super Bowl, so that's their fault. Yeah, and they gave Tom Brady another ring, which was also annoying, but whatever. Right. That's literally a crime against Colts fans. So I find it hilarious that Pro Football Focus says if the Colts had this to do over again, they'd have drafted Russell Wilson over Andrew Luck. Now, for quick clarification, I think that was actually Pro Football Talk uh, out of them. Pro Football Talk. Not pro football focus, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, is equally laughable, in my opinion. But sure. at the same time, pro football focus has some good good uh, metrics for certain things. Their player grading, um, I'm, on, I'm on record as saying, is uh, questionable as ba- at best. But I just wanted to make a quick clarification that it, uh, that it was pro football talk. Pro football talk, okay. 
Gotcha, gotcha. My apologies to those fine people over at Pro Football Focus. I'm just kidding. So, so, so obviously we've we've created a lot of content centered around the draft because I've, as we've kind of acknowledged here as as Colts fans during this Ballard regime, the Ballard Reich regime, um, they're heavily focused on having a young athletic team uh, with a lot of versatility and depth. Um, Obviously, we we could sit here and, and wax philosophic on the draft, but let's talk today about the actual acquisitions. The okay. the Justin Houston acquisition, the Devin Funches acquisition, and I'll just start by asking you this: Are you satisfied with those moves in terms of how it helps us at those two positions specifically? Like, are you satisfied with those moves? A lot of fans um, have questioned the fact that Ballard has a lot of money in the bank um, and chose not to delve too far into free agency. I think the Justin Houston move and the Devin Funches move are perfect for what the Colts are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am 100% on board with those. Justin Houston, despite you know being a little bit older, is mm-hmm. um, still a, can be a very effective pass rusher uh, and given that he'll have more limited snaps in Indianapolis uh, and be asked to do a, a lot less. And just, for example, in Kansas City, he was asked to drop back um, into pass coverage at times. And here in Indianapolis uh, with the Colts, he's going to be rushing the passer and that's it. So I think that he could really excel. And from a leadership standpoint, you look at it and Justin Houston, uh, I, I want to say it was Frank Wright uh, recently on the uh, Colts official podcast had said, that the leadership aspects that that Justin Houston has brought in, where he's taken younger guys under their wing, under his wing, and and is teaching them, and is being truly a leader in that defensive end locker room, or in mm-hmm. that defensive locker room, is huge. And I think that's a an added benefit that maybe Chris Ballard knew a little bit about from being at Kansas City before, but I don't think that they expected it. With regards to Devin Funches, I think that he's a a really good wide receiver for Frank Reich's system and, and Nick Sirianni's system. I think mm-hmm. he's a terrific route runner, and I think that the Colts will likely try to use him more so in the slot than what people may think. Um, although now with drafting Paris Campbell, um, they, that might change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Devin Funches, if you have a, a quarterback that throws him an accurate ball, he actually has pretty good hands. And so the big knock on him was that he would drop a lot of balls. Um, but in Carolina, when they lined him up outside, uh, his hands were a little iffy. But, I mean, quite honestly, Cam Newton throwing outside is a little iffy. Um, and I think by the end of the season, they had a Cam Newton wasn't even playing at that point. Um, but I don't remember the injury history there um, and whether he finished the season or not. But uh, when he lined up in the slot, he didn't drop a ball. Um, right which is huge um, for any receiver. And so I think that people are vastly underrating the signing of Devin Funches and that he will come in and make an impact uh, on those wide receivers and, and, you know, maybe not have as many touchdowns as, you know, what Eric Ebron had last year, but has an opportunity to resurrect his career with a quarterback that is markedly better than what he had before. And I think Absolutely. That- Absolutely. And here we're going to take a call real quick. Uh, from a guest, okay? Sounds great. Give me just a moment. 
Oh, it was coming in. Hello, hello? Nope, you're still there. You still there, Steve? Yep. Okay, never mind. So they hung up. <laughs> They're missing out. No, no, that's fine. But yeah, so in terms of what the, they've done in free agency, I think that the other aspect that, that we're now seeing more so um, that that fans didn't realize when free agency started when they wanted to just throw buckets of money at different people is that Chris Ballard had a plan in place to re-sign his own free agents. And from a culture standpoint, it, it makes so much more sense to focus on your own free agents. It's what Bill Polian did, and it... What Ballard did that was kind of remarkable to me is that he approached guys to get extensions signed before a year before their contract was up, uh, which shows just how just how well uh, the Colts organization is run. Mm -hmm. uh, it it emphasizes that no matter what, if you're playing well and you do it for a couple of years, the Colts are going to reward you. And that's going to be enticing to other players um, when they're looking at potential free agent options or when they're looking to sign that second contract as rookies, knowing that you, if you do well, you get paid. Absolutely. And it's Let me not take this call real quick, brother. Yep.
And there we are back. Just uh, spent a few minutes talking with uh, Chris Shepard there, Mr. Reed. Oh, it sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, up up at this point here, uh, episode one, uh, we are using Skype, which will only for some reason allow a two-way conversation. So when uh, Chris Shepard called in, it wouldn't let me take the call and keep us all three on the call. And I am assuming that's something I'll have to work out. Um, but we'll work on that because we certainly want to be able to do live podcasts. Uh, we are live on YouTube. Uh, I am also going to record the podcast so we can share it later. Uh, now, that said, I kind of asked some similar questions, but I wanted to come back to you and ask the follow-up to the follow-up to the follow-up. Okay. If you look at the first four weeks, the Colts and – and I'm one of those people because I, I, I pay very close attention to quarterback play – uh, and I played like tight end and, and defensive end, so I kind of I kind of pay attention to the the big pass catchers and the big pass rushers and the quarterbacks because I think those things are the most important positions in football, and that's just my opinion. So would I look at the Colts season much like the Colts do, other franchises do, other football programs do, not just in the NFL? I look at the you break the season down into four quarters, right? And yeah. you look at the first four weeks, and I, in no specific order, but roughly. The Colts play uh, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, and Derek Carr. Uh, of course, starting the season off week one against the Chargers, and I'd kind of put it put it to Chris. I'll put it to you. It, if you if the Colts come in week one and and beat one of the mo- most consistent franchises in the NFL in, in the in the Chargers, right in the AFC West, there's no reason they don't go four and zero, right, to start the season. If they start off and, and take care of the Chargers? Right. If, if you can overcome Phillip Rivers week one of your 2019 campaign, knowing who you play after that, there's no reason you shouldn't be 4-0, right? You know, I don't think that it's out of the – I think it's pretty likely. Um, you know, and the, here's the thing with the, the start of the schedule and, and being at San Diego um, mm. is – San Diego is notoriously a slow starting team. The past four years, they haven't won their opening game um, any of the last four years. And and they typically start slow right? Um, just as a franchise. And you always see them catching up, you know, at midseason. They're like, Phillip Rivers is rolling. Right. Um, and it's so, a consistency over time. That's why he's got, a, what, like a dozen kids now? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's... <laughs> I think he does. I think he almost, he might have a dozen now. Yeah, um, so it's, at this point, kids. like that's that's a legitimate thing. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, once you get past San Diego, I, I think that's going to be the toughest game of the group. I think, right. uh, you know, you've got the the Titans. I'm not, I'm not particularly scared of. Um, no, 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 like just because, like come on, you could, you could say it nicely. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if it's here in Nashville. Like that's not that's not a game I'm. Oh man, that's an that's an any given Sunday type game. Mm-hmm. You know, week week one, in my opinion, of the first four weeks is the only week that I would say that's an any given Sunday game, right? Anything can happen. Philip Rivers is a talented quarterback. That franchise is pretty consistent. That roster is pretty good. I could right? see the Falcons giving them some some hiccups. Just you know, Julio Jones just on his own is is tough, and they've yeah. got some good receivers and they've got decent tight ends. They've got good running backs out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that's been kind of the Colts Achilles heel in the past. Now, thankfully, you know, the Colts have addressed that, um, this off season and in last off season in terms of 
getting more speed at the linebacker position. Um, so right. we were able to mitigate the damage of those, those little running back checkdowns. But uh, right. if you get past the Chargers, I could definitely see them going going four and zero to start um, going into to Kansas City that Sunday night game. Um, and then I, I don't see the again I don't see the Titans being much, and I don't see the Raiders being much either. Um, no. Right. I mean, let's face it. The Raiders are going to be on HBO's show Hard Knocks this year, right? Yeah. So they're being looked at as entertaining, right? And I, and I understand that part of football. They're probably going to be a very entertaining football team. But being entertaining does not mean being competitive. <laughs> yeah. And being able to do what, from my perspective, what the Colts are wanting to do, which is play that old school be very aggressive up front, move the ball down the field by any means necessary, and with the idea of running the ball consistently, uh, much like the 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 teams the Colts typically struggle against, right? Your your Baltimore's, your Pittsburgh's, your New England's. These programs run the ball well. They maintain ball control. They score touchdowns. They're efficient. And then they play pretty good defense, you know. And then, like we were just talking about earlier in the podcast, like think about this: the best, the best performing defense the Colts have had, I would argue, since 1998. That's 20 years. Was the 2018 10th ranked defense in the league? And then the question of they won the Super Bowl with uh, when Bob Sanders came back from that injury. Mm-hmm. In terms of like a full year of defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with you. In terms of like the actual talent on the defense, I think that the you know that Super Bowl winning year um, was a very talented defense um, with with Bob Sanders and and Freeney Mathis and Marlon Jackson oh, right. and all those guys. Um, right, and this is obviously no disrespect to them. I'm one of those people. I think purely uh, from a yeah, data yeah. data perspective, and it's like, hey, if you just look at numbers. Yeah, obviously, last year's defense from a, from a lot of us, you know, you watch these games, you say, man, they're they're a player or two away from having a top five defense in the NFL. And a lot of the time, that was, oh, we're not we're not generating <laughs> enough of a pass rush. The quarterback's got all day to throw. You know, it was a third down play, and he they ran a play action, and he rolled out, and he had four months to figure it out. Yeah. It's like a third you know, and eight, and they got eight and a half every time. Right. And a, and a, lot, of, a lot of that is, just like you just said, not having enough uh, interior quickness to stymie <laughs> that check down pass to the running back or that little dump off to the tight end or the comeback route to the outside receiver or the – you know that little in and out, the slot runs or what, whatever. Yeah, I think, crosses, shallow crosses, drags, all those, yeah. And then now this year, you look at the Colts. Um, so I guess we can sort of talk about how guys are going to plug into the defense. So if you just set, look at, um, for example, like the Rocky Asin pick fits pretty cleanly in at like your number two corner. Uh, and from what I understand, that's kind of how they've they've lined him up. Uh, Pierre Desir at the one, of course, then Rock at two uh, gives you like Kenny Moore to cover a slot receiver, and then what like Nate Harrison to kind of back that whole crew up. Uh, that is that is a, 
an improvement right across the board. Well, um, and I'd be surprised if Mays Harrison was a surprise cut either with, with really Wilson and Jalen Collins um, playing as well as they, they keep saying he's playing, mm-hmm. but you always hear, you always hear little bits about Nate Hairston too. And so right. it's, they, the Colts are again, Chris Ballard has taken a position of weakness and turned it into a strength with the Colts, um, which right. is fantastic. He did it last year with the offensive line. And this year he's done it with the corners and the linebackers mm-hmm. and arguably the pass rush too. Right. I mean, it's a complete turnover of the franchise. I think one of the things that Brett and I remember, uh, cause we live, five minutes from each other. One of the things that we've been saying the last couple years, particularly is look at all the roster turnover. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if I remember and I'm probably wrong, but it was something along the lines of from year one to year two of the ballot regime, it was something like 27. So roughly half because 53, right? So 27, 27, 54, 27 players were new in year one. And then last year, from before Chris Ballard was here, it was something along the lines of 44 of 53. It's like there was nine players on the entire mm-hmm. roster that were here before Chris Ballard took over. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with bad player evaluation, in my opinion, on the behalf of the, what was it, the exiting Pullian regime uh, slash, uh, well, I mean, he might as well be Voldemort to me, but what was his name? Gregson, um, that regime uh, obviously kind of failed at player evaluation. It's one of the things that we were we were talking about amongst ourselves the other day was talking about how when the Colts traded for uh, what was it was it T.J. Richardson? Yeah, Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson. Uh, how even Bill Polian said that that looked like a, a great deal for the Colts, right? Yeah. And then obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, not the case at all. Um, Although I did, I did sarcastically point out uh, Trent Richardson was still a, a, a terror in the uh, AAF. The Birmingham. The Birmingham Iron. Iron. Uh, every week I wrote about him, he'd scored one or more touchdowns. None of them were terribly impressive, and largely most of them were him running with his head down into the back of his offensive lineman, much like he did here in Indianapolis. And you'd see like a ball of butcher knives, right? Like, well, it'd be like a, it'd be like a, you know, a blind person running downhill, right? Like, yeah, there was a hay bale there, man. You know, like you, okay. Like that, that's a lot of Trent Richardson's highlights are largely, you know, it's just, it's similar to watching people like wreck on a skateboard. you know what I mean? Like, Oh, he's skateboarding. Sure. Oh, that hurt. It's similar to watching Trey Richardson. You're like, oh, he's got a gap as big as a semi. Oh, he tripped and fell. Like, that's T. Rich for you. But speaking of running backs, we look at uh, the Colts here. Not really. We did not address that position. So obviously, we're pretty satisfied with the play of Marlon Mack uh, and with the new guys. Uh, obviously. You're gonna to have to spread the ball around a little bit more this year, right? Like you're 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 getting back Jack Doyle. You drafted Paris Campbell. I think this takes the ball out of the hands of guys like Jordan Wilkins. Um, not Naheem Hines, maybe. I think I think you're probably taking the ball more so out of Naheem, Naheem Hines. Um, but and that's just and, and you know I'm not sure. 
really. When you think about it, like you can still use those sets where you have Paris Campbell on one side and Naheem Hines on the other. Oh, um, for sure. And, and put it down to four wide out and you've got Jack Doyle in there. So you've got your tight end. So yeah, four wide out tight end, you know, the offensive line is going to give Andrew Luck protection. So you're going to have time to throw. Um, right. And who do you cover? Goodness. Because one of the things I was thinking about when the Colts got Devin Funches was, well, now who do you lose to, right? Do you mm-hmm. lose to Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, or Devin Funches? And again, this again, we've yet to talk about like the man of the hour, right? Like the T.Y. Hilton problem, mm-hmm. who is who's consistently a problem for defenses, and it really doesn't matter what they do. It's almost like to me, as someone who's been watching the Colts since uh, as long as I can remember, T.Y. Hilton is already in my mind in terms of impact and how dynamic he is. He's up there with Reggie Wayne, with Marvin Harrison as as one of the best Colts receivers of all time. And obviously coming in a little bit of a tumultuous period, right? Like Andrew Luck's been kind of banged up and missed the full season. That kind of that kind of hurts the the early mid portion of his career. But here he is. Last year, what he had a double ankle injury and still oh, just high in going into the playoffs and averaged like a hundred yards a game over these last five or six games of the season. Right. Which is ridiculous given, like, I mean, with a low ankle sprain, like, I'm dragging my leg behind me. Oh, for sure. I don't even know how to walk at that point. Going Maybe upstairs, they're, like, not an option. Yeah, let alone, like, planting and running and cutting, like, that blows my mind. <laughs> right. And then, you th- and then you think about the general wear and tear on an athlete over time, and then it's just compounded by the fact that you choose to play through it because of I'm I'm pretty positive I've figured out what happened for the record I don't know if I've ever told you this I'm pretty positive I figured out what happened uh during that players only meeting and I'm not trying to be it may become out funny it may not come out funny but that's what I'm trying shooting for is funny okay Andrew Luck studied architecture and I don't know any artifact architect arch, I don't know any artifacts what are you saying I don't know any architect I don't know any architects, but okay. when I go think about the type of planning and coordination uh, it takes to, for example, like build a building. And then you turn the planning and organizing and structure of being an arch of planning to build a building and then turn that towards football, right? You take that that laser focus that everything must be this precise and I'm going to put the ball here. I think Andrew Luck sat everyone down and said, this is exactly what everyone is going to do word for word to the letter every day. I wrote out all your parts, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, and here's exactly how this is going to work. And I, I always think of Andrew Luck becoming like the architect that became a maestro, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so in the beginning, he was the guy that had no problem with the hammer and the nail, but in the end, he picked up the wand and decided to just make it look like a, you know, a ticket. You know, the Colts offense is going to go from being like a really cool band to like going to see the orchestra. Right. That at the more depth and talent, you know, obviously when you protect your quarterback and then the next season 
you dedicate towards providing him with additional weaponry. Like you, you've turned a, a top five offense into the, you know, I wouldn't, I would never, never say that a team is going to have the offensive output like a Kansas City team did last year. But I think everybody said the same thing about the Rams in the late nineties, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody saw that coming. Um, yeah, I I was talking to Chris Shepard and I asked him a similar question about Devin Funches. He said he's not very high on him. One of the things I wanted to point out about Devin Funches is a similar thought process to um, Eric Ebron. The knock on both players is their hands. But again, I I'm not just a NFL fan. I'm not just a Colts fan. I watch college football too. Neither Cam nor Matt Stafford have ever been lauded for having a great deal of touch. Yep. And I understand that from the receiver's perspective, you're, if it, if you can touch it, you can catch it. Right. And yep. I understand that these are the, you know, and I, I'm one of those people. I am never for a corporation. I am never for a business. I am for the person. Right. The individual matters to me more. When you make statements like Eric Ebron can't catch or Devin Funches has hand issues, to me, it's like looking at a gunshot wound victim and saying, well, if they'd have turned a little, they would have survived, right? Like, well, if you think about the shooter, or in this case, the thrower of the football, there are lots of people I, I've, I remember seeing, and I could be completely wrong. If I remember correctly, there's a video where Matt Stafford is throwing balls, just playing catch at the Pro Bowl. And three or four players, after they've caught a ball from him, are walking by him talking about how hard he throws the football. Yeah. And, well, and that, he, that's the thing is, like, for you, like, you understand that, you know, having that touch is important. And no, for me, like I, I played you know wide receiver, and so like if you have a a quarterback that's throwing the ball consistently behind you, or, or you don't know where you're going to get the ball, you just know it's going to be in a general vicinity. Right. And in the NFL, that box is really small right. that that the quarterback has to fit into. So if you don't have some accuracy and touch, like you're going to have issues and so it's going to get thrown back on the wide receivers because you're trying to whip your head back and whip your hand around to catch a ball that's you know a foot behind you and when they're throwing it at you know 50 60 miles an hour you're good luck (laughs) right and then you think about some of these guys do it effortlessly right like so you have guys in the nfl that are known for having great hands but again i'm one of those people i just went and looked at the numbers and was like you know Ebron and Funches have had their issues with drops, but look at their production in the red zone when it matters. Oh, they're touchdown scorers. They're they're machines. You you they have a natural mismatch. If the ball's on target, you're probably gonna bring it down, you're probably gonna be okay. So of course Kind of differing, and it's good. Any, any, t- you always want to have m- multiple people's opinions. No, nothing is true. We don't know anything. We're literally prognosticating everything, unless we've already got tape, and we don't have tape. We're we're talking about things that haven't haven't even happened yet. Well, but, 
one thing I'd mentioned about Devin Funches is while he was at Michigan, he was a, he started off as a tight end mm-hmm. at Michigan, and he only switched to wide receiver his last couple of years at Michigan. Right. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Reich and Sirianni start to like kind of move him in to the slot. That's why I said initially that I thought he was going to be a slot player because you'd see a lot of times that the Colts would have that two tight end set and they'd, they'd motion Ebron out to the slot and they'd take advantage of that mismatch. And so I think that that having Funches and, and pairing him with Ebron or Doyle um, at the same time gives them that mismatch that they look for in terms of linebackers that are kind of in a linebacker on. So they can't cover him based on speed or getting, you know, that slot corner on him. Then you can't cover him based on size. And so it's really, it, it provides that offense such a, Funches provides the offense just a lot more variables that, that maybe people don't understand um, or maybe Colts fans don't don't appreciate the nuance to it. So as we as we close here, brother, we're about 45 minutes in. Want to talk about, obviously, training camp is coming up, preseason's coming up. If you're the Colts right now, before everybody's under the same roof, is there anything you're still looking for, personnel-wise? Is there, are you thinking right now, like, we're kind of, kind of hamstrung at this position, maybe we should look at another guy, is it, can, well, I guess the first question is, can, there can be acquisitions between now and the 20th, right? So, you pick up a guy. Yeah. He's unsigned. And yeah. any any action? Do you think anything's? Well, I guess that's a better way to end it. Do you think anything's going to happen between now and training camp, or do you think the Colts are in a position to kind of wait and see? I, you know, I think right now the Colts are just kind of waiting and seeing. Um, to yeah. be honest, I, I don't think that there's the, the interesting thing about the Colts is, you know, had you asked me two years ago or even a year ago if they had any glaring needs, I would have said, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, right. Um, this year I look at it and I say. Like you asked me that question and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what position do I think the team is just lacking? And I couldn't come up with one off the top of my head. Um, and and so that's kind of a a really cool feeling as, as a Colts fan is, right. is to know the, the team. It seems to be well built with quality players and quality talent. Right. Um, you know, you may be able to, to look at maybe some backup offensive linemen because Chris Ballard has always said that he wants to have you know, a two, basically two starting units um, right. on the offensive line. So you're always looking to upgrade your backup positions at the offensive line. The defensive line is, is deep. The, the defensive end position is actually a lot deeper than I think people, people realize, um, you know, maybe even the linebacker position, maybe you look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, as a possible place, maybe running back. Um, but again, you you also have to balance on what's out there. Like there's right. a reason people aren't signed yet um, right. for those guys. Um, now, whether it's they're they're wanting too much money, or you know the NFL just retired those players, um, you know involuntarily, um, and they just don't, you know teams in the NFL don't want them anymore. Um, so th- I think there's, it's a twofold argument is the Colts really don't have any glaring weaknesses and there's a part of it that is 
these players are there for a reason or players are, are unsigned for a reason. And so I don't think that I see the Colts making any moves, any drastic moves. You might see um, roster churning at the bottom of the roster to get more competition or maybe get a guy in that, that they might be looking to stash on the practice squad for a year. Um, and so you're looking at, you know, those roster spots from like 60 to 90 uh, that you'll right. see the turnover. Um, but in terms of what you'd expect for the 53 um, or any higher higher named guys, probably not. Which is a good feeling, right? That's what, that was the reason I asked. Yeah. The last the last several years leading into a season, it's been nothing but, oh gosh, we didn't address this. It's gonna gonna have to get addressed during the season. What are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. This year, this year, kind of feels like, well, you know. As long as everyone stays healthy, there's well, enough talent here that, you know, yeah, maybe we won't see a lot of roster turnover this season. Maybe maybe we'll see a team gel, which which is what I, I I've been kind of beating that drum ever since I started getting getting on the camera saying like, hey, if you look at the franchises that are winning. They're consistent. They don't have a ton of turnover. They might have coaches that take promotions, but by and large, that staff is largely the same. That roster's changing just because they're drafting guys. And like you said, it's their 60s and 90s that are changing, not their 53. Their 53 is guys are here for five, ten years at a time, uh, specifically at offensive line. If you look at, and again, I know I'm talking about enemies, right? I'm talking about the Steelers specifically and the Patriots specifically. They draft well and they keep their players and they let their their free agents test the market and if you get a better deal elsewhere go and those players even come back um and then kind of to wrap it all up i want to posit a question you can of course answer it now you can say i probably need to do a little research before i do that 20 days from training camp if you had to pick right now a 16 and 0 team and an 0 and 16 team, who are you, who's your 16 and 0? Who's your 0 and 16? And you could say there will be no 0 and 16 or there will be no 16 and 0. Obviously, there will be no 16 and 0 is perfectly acceptable. However, I don't think there'll be a 16 and 0 team. Um, to be honest, um, however, I will say, you know. You know, the Colts might end up with one of the better records in the NFL this year. Um, sure. I have them like a 12 and 4, 11 to 5. I honestly. Game or two better next year. Go down the schedule and I hit it at right about 13 and 3. Yeah. Um, and with just as easily seeing them with, with the only losses being really, you know, potentially at Kansas City, I'm at the Saints and then one, one other loss in there somewhere. Um, yeah. but beyond those two games, and if, if, you know, I don't even see the chiefs being as good as they were last year. So no, oh, I don't, I don't think 14 and two. they have a chance. I mean, if you really think about taking D Ford and Justin Houston away from an already 30th ranked defense. Yeah. Like they, it's, I, I don't think they'll be as good. They don't like the only team that I, I look at and I say, okay, well this, this could be a break. Like, a major issue is the saints late right. in the season on Monday night. Right. Um, but other but, that, that, but that's yeah. a that's a non-divisional game, yeah. right? So it doesn't 
the, my my thought process is if you if you're winning your division, your X one X two, right? And that's mm-hmm. six that's six games, and then you've got ten games left. You need to win, you know, four more of your division games, and then you need five or six other wins, right? Yeah. So if you look at the other teams that you're playing, with the exception of the Chiefs, who are by and large a Mahomes-led boat with no rudder, right? Like mm-hmm. the, all they have is Patrick Mahomes. That's pretty much it. Kareem Hunt's gone. Tyreek Hill, who Should knows? He should be shouldn't even be in the league, um, but that but again and Andy Reid's kind of been the 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 quarterback whisperer in his career and from from the looks of you know he's got Travis Kelsey they've got weapons but if you look at that defense what is your expectation we're gonna score fifty can you also you do that like is that is that yeah. is that the the game plan. Um, that didn't go so great for the Colts all those years. Yeah, um, just for the record, Chiefs fans, if you're wondering if that pans out, the answer is no. Usually it doesn't. It, it, I mean, you may, you, if you have a good enough quarterback, it may get you to the playoffs, but it's not winning you much. Um, so that's one of the things I'm really excited about. Of course, looking ahead is saying, for the first time in a long time, I feel like we have stability on the roster, talent on this roster, the schedule is it's not as good as people think it's not no it's nowhere but, near what people look but, at it and say like oh the but, Colts are going to lose seven games like I, I saw today two different networks ESPN and NFL Network saying the Colts aren't even going to win their division and for the record I, both networks had different division winners one was Jacksonville one was Houston but again I'm forced to look at data the Houston Texans didn't even have a full draft last year. If I remember correctly, they were missing like half of their picks. And then yeah. the Jaguars got rid of Blake Bortles, which has got to be a sigh of relief. But, but then, then at the same time, Bortles. huh? <laughs> but then they got another Blake Bortles. They got a worse, they got a worse Blake Bortles, right? Like, st- again, I'm one of those people, yeah. I speak statistically. I do not care about your opinion. The stats say, well, he's actually a worse, uh, and I'm Nick Foles is a worse regular season quarterback than Blake Bortles has been historically. And that's what the franchise he's familiar with. Thinking about Nick Foles going to Jacksonville, Florida from Philly in a new offensive system on a much less talented roster. Mm-hmm. I under, I understand that. Yeah. The Jags had a pretty good defense. The, the Jags did beat the Colts last year, but I, six points. I don't, I don't think that ever happens again. And yeah. I, I I go out of my way to say I don't think Frank Reich would ever let a game end 6 nothing ever again in his career. Uh-huh. I think that he, he figured it out. There's a fine line between being aggressive and being smart. Um, and I think that we'll, we'll, you, can, you can be both, right? Like you can be really aggressive and score a bunch of points, but you can also take points when they're free. Keep control of the game. And the thing uh, thing that I think that you'll see the Colts do moving forward, should, again, everyone stay healthy, right, is be in the driver's seat earlier in football games to put them away, right? Yeah. And and that's what this year will be. This, this, to me, remember, this is supposed to be year two of three of a rebuild. I digress. I don't, I don't think this is year two of three of a rebuild. I think we're in year one of chasing a title 
right? I'm not saying we're going to get there. I'm just saying, like, if you were going to go there, it's the next three, the next, three the next four years, right? If I were going to bet on it, I'd say the Colts could, could easily come out of the AFC. Like, uh, when going to your question about 16-0-0-16, I think probably the Colts are going to be your best bet. That's what I was saying. If you look, start looking at the other other good teams in the NFL and look at their early schedule, and you're like, they're going and two and two. Like you, they're, they're not coming out of that unscathed. Yeah, I think for your 0 and 16, it's, it's got to be the Dolphins. Yeah, I was, that's what I was gonna say. For the record, is I'm pretty sure the Dolphins are doo doo. Um, Dolphins always win against the Patriots in Miami, so like, yeah. I, I still think they'll go like, like one in 15. Maybe yeah. like three and thirteen uh-huh. over the course of the season, but like they're the they're the team that I think personally is the most devoid of talent. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you were if you were gonna say put you know you know make me choose a team right. that I think could go sixteen and zero, I would probably pick the Colts. Like and and and, and that sounds super homerish, but like as you were saying with the splitting the, the schedule up into quarters. Like for me, I think the cold schedule is more split up into thirds. Like you've got the first five games, then you got a bye week. You got the next six games, and then on that sixth game is a Thursday night game. So then you get a mini bye week after that. Right. And then you've got the last five games, and in that that six game stretch in the middle, you know, uh, four of the six are at home. And so, or, or wait, no, one, two, three. Yeah, four of the six are at home. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're looking at it and you're like, all right. You know, maybe, you know, they could get on a run. Uh, now, that said, they could start off the season 0-1. Right, and that and that was my, that was the whole <laughs> podcast. Is the, the, remember, the, the great thing about this particular conversation is, remember from the Colts' perspective, all they care about is get better every day. 1% better every day. 1-0 for the day, 1-0 for the week. Yep. What what is what's gonna happen with this fan base and this franchise when you go to San Diego and get your mouth smacked, right? And and realize like, oh, we aren't the only well-run franchise in the NFL. <laughs> you know, I know we're used to the Tennessees, the Jacksonvilles, and the Houston's, but hey, there are in my mind, there's three or four teams in the AFC and three or four teams in the NFC that have the coaching, the personnel, the game plan to to match and mirror the Colts. You know, like like you said, the Saints. The Saints are one of those teams. The Bears are one of those teams. Um, and then in the AFC, in my in my mind, it's every year, right? It's either Baltimore or Pittsburgh, New England, and San Diego or LA or whatever you want to call them this year. Um, yeah. And then and I understand that now we have to talk about the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes. But I'm one of those people. Football is a team game, and you can think all day long, Chiefs fans, that Patrick Mahomes is this is the second coming of whichever deity you choose. But the reality is that's just a single person, and that defense is looking pretty devoid of talent. And come playoff time or come playoff push time, it's going to be real difficult when that offense gets beat up and those players miss games and you lose football games because your defense is a wet paper bag. So we're, of course, Colts fans are in a fortunate position to be one of very few teams in the NFL with a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. And again... Um, Steven, it's been wonderful talking to you, brother. We made it, we made it to an hour. Um, I think I only said one dirty word. Uh, I so think I you think called yourself be... too. Or you might huh? said that with, with Shepard. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I think you might've caught yourself if you said it with me. 
I'll tell you, one of those things is you got to be able to turn it on and turn it off. But you know, when you're when you're talking football, my my brain is going to struggle to get out of to get out of the frame of BSing about sports and and talking to a, to an audience of all ages. You know, so of course uh, we want to keep it clean and family friendly. So that that's our goal. But again, the podcast here. Uh, episode one, obviously, I, I think it went swimmingly, but then again, it's I'm hosting. I get to say that. Um, and then, obviously, really lucky to have you here, uh, Stephen. Of course, I, I'm ha- happy to get to to talk shop with just about anybody, but I'll certainly do it with you every day of the week. And then, of course, thank you to our our guest. We had uh, Chris Shepard, uh, one of my favorite uh, Stampy Blue content creators. Uh, just some of the work he's done evaluating offensive line talent, and he's kind of our baldy, right? Yeah. Uh, every, every every great organization has its baldy. Uh, I'd love to see him get into doing a video film breakdown with his fancy computer. I hear that stuff's coming too. Um, anything going on for you uh, as far as content-wise this year? I'll kind of uh, throw in there at the end what I'm going to be doing this year outside of podcasting and doing the post-game wrap. Uh, Steven, you're kind of all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. I I get a little bit of leeway on, on what I address. So mine's usually just opinion pieces uh, mm-hmm. during the year that if there's ever anything big that comes up uh, or anything that's uh, a little bit more of a sensitive topic uh, that right. comes up, usually I'll be the one to address those. Hopefully we don't have any of those this year. Um, <laughs> right. And so hopefully I'll, hopefully it's I'll more stories of, like yeah. Kenny Moore helping uh, Max and Chica. Right. Like that was just a great story um, over the summer. Here we are. And, and like I said, I know I said at the beginning, we're kind of in the doldrums. There's not a lot going on. And then out of left field comes a story about Kenny Moore. And I don't know if you uh, I know, Stephen, you probably heard of it. But anybody that hears this, if you if you want to look it up, Kenny Moore, um, basically, if I understand the story correctly, basically saw a little boy's dog get hit by a car and stopped and realized that the dog was going to make it it just needed help and got this kid in his car and drove him to at least if i remember correctly two different veterinarians until they found one that could do the surgery and not only did the dog survive but it meant a big deal in this kid's life and then unbeknownst to that to that obviously i believe the kid's name was max unbeknownst to max the kid that helped him out was Kenny Moore, who just signed a big contract with the Colts. So not only did he get him a big Colts fan, but he saved the dog. You, you obviously changed the world of someone as going through what Max was going through personally. But then, you, you know, to just do something that selfless when when we live in a world where people are very selfish is a welcome sight, you know, um, as opposed to reading about arrests and, and domestic violence and, and drugs and PED use. Hey, man. The Colts- as a franchise in their, their content over there with their, um, or everybody over there in the, the Colts production department, they're, they're doing a really good job yeah. of, of highlighting the person, not right. just the player. Um, Cause, cause they're, they're people, cool. cause they're, they're members of our community. These are people from all over the United States that had to take, you know, what family that they have, right. Uh, and move basically potentially across the country you know, the, the Colts drafted guys from both coasts this year. So we had a guy from Stanford, a guy from Rutgers, move to Indianapolis or not, right, and try to maintain two abodes. Yeah, right. Um, so you have people from all over the United States moving their lives to Indianapolis, fitting into the community very well. I I cannot tell you, especially somebody, uh, I know that I don't tweet a lot. I know I know I'm, I'm not very active on, I'm not as active on Twitter as a lot of people. 
Uh, I'm not, I don't write as much as a lot of the writers, a lot of the staff. Uh, but I've been so impressed with Eric Ebron specifically and the positivity that he's brought to the locker room and that kind, that kind of, uh, that cup overfloweth. And then you see uh, Jacoby Brissett just enjoying being part of a team. And to me, I, I get it, man. People want to pay to see a winner, right? Hey, if I'm putting this hat and, and I'm going to spend this money on this jersey, I want that team to win. At the same time, these are kind of shepherds for your city. These are stewards for your community. And these are the people that have the most face time, right? So to me, like you said, the Colts have done fantastic on social media. All their video production has been great. And it's uh, – I, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Blue was the 2018 mascot of the year. Uh, no, that, just got, that. that just got announced in the last couple of days. Um, so we got, you know, the world going for us, obviously, barring injury. Uh, and we would never wish that on anyone else. And certainly we wish it on our own. Uh, but this is the most complete the Colts rosters looked in my eyes going into a training camp that I can remember since, like you said, since the since the Super Bowl era, the, the t- 2006. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, obviously the 2010 team. We lost the Super Bowl in 2010 to the Saints. Um, for the record, I said that last year. Colts over the Saints in the Super Bowl, and I was off by a year. So, for those of you wondering, like, hey, who do you think wins the Super Bowl this year? Of course, I think the Colts win over the Saints in a revenge game, uh, because I said it last year and I and I was wrong. So, <laughs> so, so obviously, fresh, fresh slate, no stories told. Um, I like the, I like the Saints out of the NFC, and I like the Colts out of the AFC, and then. I just want to see Quentin Nelson in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I want to see that kind of offensive line play on the biggest stage, right? Not not one of the one of the minor stages, not not prior. I want a Super Bowl. Um, and of course, Jim Mercer saying uh, greatness is three Super Bowl championships in a row. And if there's a franchise in the NFL that's going to do it, it's Indy, right? Because it ain't New England. <laughs> they may be able to get to the mountaintop, baby, but they ain't getting over the over the finish line. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a good year, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think that the Colts fans will have a lot to look forward to. Uh, as always, barring injury, they right. the team looks fantastic from top to bottom, which is which is a, a refreshing refreshing uh, feeling for Colts fans going leading into a season. Absolutely. So hey, with that, we'll wrap up episode one of podcast to be named. We were gonna call ourselves the Air Raid Podcast, like Jared Air. Stephen Reed Raid, uh, Air Raid, but I found out that Texas Tech's uh, faithful, of course, have a uh, Air Raid podcast, and that offense was kind of made popular uh, at Texas Tech. Uh, so, of course, we'll have to re uh, go back over our names. I know right now, uh, as far as Stampede Booth staff, we are coordinating content that we are going to be putting out moving forward. I know that our uh, fearless leader, Brett Mock, uh, has been working diligently to establish a kind of creation platform. Uh, and a kind of schedule so that we can kind of make sure that we're putting out content consistently and not overlapping. Um, you're going to see a lot more podcasts from the Colts. Uh, this year I'll be doing, I don't again, just to close here, I'll be doing fantasy football weekly. Uh, I haven't decided whether to do that in video, audio, or text form. Uh, I will be doing, obviously, podcasting, shooting for one to two a week. I know Stephen, um, Chris Blystone had said uh, he was thinking about doing three episodes a week. Uh, Stephen Holder is going to do a couple, uh, one to two podcasts a week for us. So heavily invested in the future 
uh, of podcasting. And of course, Stephen Reed and I, hey, we, we want to get in that game too. So we're going to come to you uh, live uh, maybe once or twice a week. Uh, I was thinking maybe Tuesday, Thursday to kind of offset uh, Mr. Blystone, but we'll kind of work on that from there. And with that, we bid you adieu. Again, this is Jared and Stephen Reed from Stampede Blue, uh, and we will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.